welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Heck, your host. Our author is Paul Kengor, PhD, joining us from Grove City College. The book is The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption, co-authored with Mary Nicholas, MD, and published by TAN Books, available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic, of course. And joining us is Dr. Kengor. Great to see you again. You've been on Bookmark a couple of times. I have, Doug. It's good to be back again, and it's always good to be a guest on uh, Bookmark, which is one of my favorite shows. Well, thank you very much for saying that. Of course, you were on with your other favorite show with Father Mitch recently as well, talking about this particular <laughs> book. And it's a very right. interesting topic, but how relevant is it today when we're talking about communism and the 1950s? Uh, what does it mean to an audience, especially a Catholic audience today, in your mind? Well, unfortunately, it's more relevant than ever. I mean, if you look at some of the polling data out there with young people saying positive things about communism, about socialism, I mean, the number of young people in America and, and even a lot of older adults, it, it, people over 40, over 50, I could say data for you, polling data, Doug, if I had to, mm -hmm. uh, saying favorable things about socialism. And socialism, according to Marxist-Leninist theory, was the final transitionary step to communism. So, you know, all of society, and the world would go from slavery to feudalism to capitalism to socialism to communism. And, and I think one of the worst things that's going on is a lot of these ideas are supported in education. And uh, not coincidentally, Bella Dodd, her area that she did for the party, she was a member of Communist Party USA. She was a master organizer, master infiltrator. And her area, first and foremost, was education. Mm -hmm. And at one point, she succeeded in placing 1,000 to 1,500 actual Communist Party members out of the 10,000 member New York State Teachers Union right. in the 1930s. And let me repeat that, because she, she said that in sworn testimony before Congress. A thousand to, to, to 1,500 mm -hmm. Communist Party members in the 10,000 member New York State Teachers Union. So you know, she, she knew that this infiltration, and the party understood it, was something that could have deep seeds, um, broad tentacles, and mm -hmm. that for many decades and many years to come could have a very uh, damaging effect on American society and culture. So unfortunately, her ideas are um, still very much around, yeah. and, and I know it's getting ahead of our discussion a little bit, but, but to her great credit, she broke free from all of this and uh, found redemption in the Catholic Church, and especially with the help of a priest right. and bishop by the name of uh, Fulton J. Sheen. Right, absolutely, and you kind of lay out that that arc of her life and a returning to the church. And it's and what's nice about it too is it's not like this miraculous one day she gets out of the party and suddenly she's this wonderful Catholic. There's that, uh, in a sense, dealing with those years. Now she's from originally was born in Italy, right? Was she raised as a Catholic? Yeah, she was born in Picerno, Italy in 1904. So she's raised by this you know, wonderful Italian Catholic family in this idyllic small Italian village by a literal shepherd mm -hmm. and, and, and the shepherd's wife. And she came to America four or five years later, along with the rest of the mm -hmm. family, and she came to New York. And it was in New York, New York and specifically in the New York public schools that she immediately became introduced to 
socialism. Uh, she, she wrote about that in her memoirs, School of Darkness. She talked about it in some of her different testimonies and interviews thereafter. And the one thing that really radicalized her, Doug, was when she went to college. Mm -hmm. She went to Hunter College in New York, which is on the Upper East Side, in fact, not far from um, St. Vincent Ferrer Church, wonderful Dominican church mm -hmm. on the Upper East Side. And Hunter College is just a couple blocks over. And it was there under the influence of a communist professor, a woman named Sarah Parks, an English professor, who later took her own life out of despair. Mm -hmm. But it, it was there that she began this, she became radicalized and leaves the faith of her youth to become this, this communist who rejects her faith, her mm -hmm. upbringing, the country she came to, and everything. Right. That was the 20s, late 20s, and by the 1930s, she becomes this probably, right. probably the highest ranking female member of the Communist Party, or at least one of the top two right. or three by the 1930s. Right, and it's interesting because later in life, she meets another Hunter professor, Alice von Hildebrand, uh, who is an important part of this story as well, right? That's right, and my co-author, Mary Nicholas, interviewed Alice von Hildebrand. Alice died, I guess, I think it was last January, January 2022. She was, I believe, almost 98 years old right. when, when she died. And Alice, Alice said that she first met Belladod in the fall of 1965. And Alice and her husband, Dietrich, at that point, it was the first of several times that they would meet with Bella. They got to know her very well. They, they really hit it off with her. And maybe this is getting ahead of your questioning, I don't know, but mm -hmm. what really struck them about that first meeting was that, was that Dietrich von Hildebrand, who, who came up through fighting totalitarianism, first with the Nazis and then later with the communists, said to Bella Dodd, he said, you know, Bella, I just have this feeling that the church has been infiltrated. And Bella Dodd said, you feel it, mm -hmm. I know it. And right. he jumped up out of his seat. This is Alice's testimony. And Alice told this to Mary Nicholas. She, she wrote it in her own memoirs. She said it in videos that you could see right. posted on the web. She wrote it for Crisis Magazine. She said this five or six times verbatim. Right. She said that, uh, that Dietrich almost jumped out of his seat and said, said what do you mean by that? And that's when, Al, when Bella Dodd told him that, uh, that when she was an organizer for the party, right. and this is what she did, she was an organizer, she was an infiltrator, she was a master organizer. She said, she told this to, to the Von Hildebrands, that uh, she helped place, as she put it, over a thousand communist men quote unquote in Catholic seminaries right. beginning in the 1930s. Kind of the so funnel as and, they called and, and, it. And this right. is what drew me to the Belladod story. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's interesting too because she also talked about at least uh, though she would never name names because that was something she discussed with Sheen which you talk about in the book. Yeah, she did mention that there were or others have mentioned that maybe four cardinals possibly actually uh, were also people who had been impacted by the Communist Party or her work. 
Yeah, and you're putting it well. I, I appreciate your caution on the way you're stating mm -hmm. this, and that's what we try to do in the book as well. She didn't say that the four cardinals were, you know, closet card-carrying members of the Communist Party or mm -hmm. working for the Soviet Comintern, but that they were, but they were pro-communist. They mm -hmm. had been influenced. They had been impacted. So, so you know, there it was happening at that level, mm -hmm. and you know, she was. For, for the party, she she felt so bad, Doug, about what she did, that that she told Fulton Sheen. She said she said, you know, I feel like I should go enter the most penitential order on the planet, and and make make reparation for my sins, right. for my sins against the church. And at that point, so I'm getting a little bit ahead, but she was very high-ranking in the party in the 30s, 1936, 1938. That's sort of the height of her organizing. She eventually became disillusioned with the party, 1940s, mm -hmm. early 40s, mid-40s. And among the other things that really bothered her, Doug, she wanted to have children. Mm -hmm. She, I mean, she really longed for children. She was married, and, and the party dissuaded her didn't want her to have children. And in fact, uh, Whitaker Chambers, and in many ways, Bella Dodd was sort of like a female Whitaker Chambers, talked about how you know, the party had what they called communist marriages. These were marriages where, where the couple lived together but didn't get married in a church or right. maybe didn't even get legally married at all. And then if you did get pregnant and, and Chambers, when Chambers' wife got pregnant, assumed that this is what they would do, you were expected to go out and have, have an abortion. Right. So, so Bella Dodd was really taken aback by that. Right. It's one of the many things that turned her against the party. And then when she finally tried to get out, you know, they, you know, they, don't, they don't want you to leave. They want to expel you. So they pushed her. They expelled her in 1948. We open our book, Chapter 1, where we talk about Bella Dodd getting a call from an AP reporter. And the AP reporter says, Dr. Dodd, we have a statement from the Communist Party. Right. It says here that you are anti-Puerto Rican, anti-Semitic, anti-Negro, uh, pro-Nazi, just <laughs> right, right, you know, right, right down the list, the, the, you know, right out of the old playbook, right? Racist, anti-Semitic. They've Sounds been like smearing the new people like this too. for a hundred years. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and and she said, I have no comment. And she and she also said, Doug, that at that point she realized, you know. I'm getting a dose of my own medicine right. because I smeared people like this for the party. Right. This is what I did to people, and now they're doing it to me. And so, really, I'm just getting what I deserve. And she spent the next few years very depressed, right. knowing that she was being watched by everybody from the KGB to the FBI. And uh, so breaking from the party, you know, she had to do it. She said that this is an evil that I'm facing. She right. described it as, as literally battling the devil. That's how she saw it. And, uh, and at that point, she was, she was searching for reparation, redemption, and a way to climb out of right. the pit. And that's where Fulton Sheen and the church came in. Well, in the beginning, you say hers was a struggle with the Communist Party, with comrades, with the media, but ultimately with herself. Uh, because she learned that communism is more than a crime against a country. It's a crime against the soul. You go on to say being trapped in communism, kind of what you alluded to, is like being trapped in quicksand. Makes extrication seem impossible unless there's a helping hand to save you. And that was ultimately, in one way, I mean, Fulton Sheen, but basically her faith, right? 
That's right. And Fulton Sheen really provided that hand. Uh, she was, so she expelled from the party in 1948. She spent the next three years wandering, literally, right, trying to find her place in the world. What's she going to do? And she, she went to Washington, D.C. She, she was a lawyer, so mm -hmm. she's trying to find work in any way that she can. And she met with her congressman, uh, Congressman McGrath was his name. And, and he was there, she was there in his office with his secretary, and, and he looked at her and he said, you know, Bella, you look like you're really hurting. Isn't there something that I could do for you? And, and she said, no, you know, I've got the KGB following me. I've got the FBI following me. I'm just, I'm at the end of my rope. Mm -hmm. And he said to her, he said, well, how about, would you be interested in seeing a priest? And she said, Doug, it came from like the inner depth of her soul, she said, Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And so Congressman McGrath turned to his secretary, Rose, and said, Rose, could you see if you could get Monsignor Sheen mm -hmm. from Catholic University on the phone? So they called Sheen, and, and Sheen said, yeah, I'll be at my apartment tonight, my house tonight, send her over. Mm -hmm. So Bella Dodd went over to visit him. She knocks on the door, he opens the door, and, and just like you see him on EWTN, right, life is mm -hmm. worth living, she, she, she said he was just like he was on TV. He had the big pectoral cross, and he looked at me and he said, Dr. Dodd, welcome, I'm so glad you've come. Mm -hmm. Now imagine, Doug, at this point, she said, if these were my old comrades, they would have said, you old hag, you old bag, you Bolshevik bag, get out of here. Mm -hmm. You are useless, you were this, you were that. But, but she said he was all grace, all mercy. He said, I'm so glad that you've come. So he brings her inside. Mm -hmm. She sat down, and, and, and he said, I, I can see that you're hurting. And, and she said, how do you know that? And Sheen said, well, we priests are kind of like doctors of the soul. Mm -hmm. We could look at a patient right. and just tell if, if he's hurting. And, and, and she started to cry. He put his hand on her shoulder. She started to sob, and he said, there, there, it's okay, it's okay. And Bella Dodd said, within a few minutes, she didn't even realize how it happened, but there she is with Sheen in, in, his, in his private uh, chapel in front of the wow. tabernacle, in front of a statue, too, of the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother, right. And, 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 he hands, and he hands, yeah, and he handed her a rosary and said, I'm gonna be going back to New York in the winter. Why don't you come see me for private instruction? And she said, well, okay, I'll think about it. And she clutched that rosary all the way back to New York and she did come see him for wow. private instruction and eventually came into the church in St. Patrick's Cathedral on April 7, 1952. So Sheen was the hand that pulled right. her up out of that quicksand. Right. Well, she talks about in leaving the Communist Party that I had to drain the hate and frenzy from my system because you talk about here about yeah. the communism and, and the hate aspect of it and how central it is hating the family, hating marriage, hating Christianity, because it's basically, as Sheen would say, you're an atheist first and then you're a communist. She also answered a question when asked if she could name uh, the unmasked, the leader of the quote-unquote conspiracy, the communist conspiracy. She put it succinctly and starkly said, I would have to say the identity is the person is Lucifer. Lucifer. 
That's right. Yeah, yes, she said that the devil himself was the head of the global communist conspiracy. And somebody else would have said, well, Stalin, right? Mm -hmm. uh, prior to that, Lenin, um, the Kremlin, the Soviet Comintern, the Communist International. But to her, you know, she went right to the devil himself as the source of it. And if you look at church encyclicals from that period, Divini Redemptoris, in 1937 under Pope Pius XI, you know, they, the church referred to communism as satanic. Mm -hmm. and, and they said that this is a satanic ideology orchestrated by the sons of darkness, mm -hmm. as the church put it. Mm -hmm. So that's how the church saw it. And in fact, Fulton Sheen had been told by Pope Pius XI, also Pope mm -hmm. Pius XII, they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to go speak as often as you can about this demonic, diabolical scourge called communism go out and warn the world about it right. and when and when Bella Dodd told Fulton Sheen about what happened about infiltration and everything else and, and Sheen indeed forbade her to share names she, uh, she, right. Sheen said here's what I want you to do I don't want you to go into the most penitential religious order on the planet uh, you know you know too much you know everything you know more than probably any female ex-communist out there, I want you to go tell the world and warn the world and the country about the dangers of communism. Right. And that's what she did. Right. In the beginning, you talk about the idea of an, another person named Alexander Trachtenberg, who she was basically her boss, and she def <laughs> described as, or Whitaker Chambers did, as the head of the GPU. Uh, Trachtenberg once said to me, recalled Don in her memoirs, that when communism came to America, it would come under the label of progressive democracy. It will come, he added, in labels acceptable to the American people. Later on in the book, you quote her, and yet many misled Catholics fell for the more benign labels that Bella Dodd warned about, such as socialism. That's right. That's right. And, and in fact, she said, she said, oh, democracy. They use that word all the time, right? Democracy, democracy, democracy. Uh, there, there's their schools, Doug. The, the, the Communist Party schools uh, were, were called the Lincoln schools. The, the one that they renamed in New York, the new school for the party up there, they called it the Jefferson School. <laughs> they, they issued books with titles like, like um, Citizen Tom Paine. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they, they, were, they were constantly trying to identify with the American founding fathers to dupe and hoodwink people. And they said, oh, well, we're, you know, we're revolutionaries, just like Thomas Jefferson. Right. You know, ju you know, just like the American founding fathers. And, uh, and, and if people really want to dig into this, Lenin and Engels and others, they talked about democracy. Mm -hmm. And, and in Engels said, uh, Lenin said in, in his classic writing, The State, the State and Revolution, uh, he, he said, we support democracy. Democracy means equality. And as Bella Dodd interpreted that, yeah, she said, yes, they mean what they call economic democracy, meaning like economic equality, class equality, you know, all, you know, all pay being equal. You know, that includes abolition of private property. And as Marx and Engels mm -hmm. said, it also means abolishing democracy mm -hmm. on the way to getting this dictatorship of the proletariat and this ultimate uh, communist utopia, right. this new Jerusalem as Pope Benedict XVI described it. And of course, it's a new Jerusalem without Christ, without God, and without religion. Yeah, it's more like Salem. Uh, she also says she was especially concerned about how communists were manipulating children through the educational system. You got a chapter about, and you talk about Dewey, 
Uh, Dewey's philosophy was that the public school's ultimate social objective was the transformation of society through the creation of a mass of new socially minded individuals. Goes on, Dewey's specter thrives, especially significant in the light of today's politics and education. Dewey judged that pursuing change through politics was frustratingly slow. Doing so via education would be much quicker. Is that not what we've seen? Yeah, it really is. And John Dewey is Honorary President for Life of the National Education Association. Now, Dewey was a Columbia professor, and I mentioned Hunter College earlier, but one area where, one of the colleges where she was further radicalized, Bella Dodd, was Columbia University. Mm -hmm. and, and she talked about taking all the progressive, you know, um, socialist and pro-communist professors there, they often hide under the label of progressive, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, a true progressive wouldn't be a Marxist, right? But, but again, Alexander Trachtenberg, we, they come under those labels, progressive, democracy, and, and, and so forth. So Dewey was very influential. Dewey was very influential under the Soviets. Dewey made a pilgrimage to, to the Soviet Union in 1928 came back and wrote a series of articles on it for the New Republic magazine, talked about how, you know, what a perfect system the Soviets were setting up for, for public education. And immediately, when, when Lenin and Trotsky and Stalin took over, the, the Bolshevik Revolution is October 1917. There's the Russian Civil War from 1918 to 21, the Bolsheviks versus the Mensheviks. They were immediately, immediately, and we go through all of this in, in the book, they were immediately translating Dewey works and books, including his classic Democracy and Education, 1916, into the Russian language. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Dewey's Democracy and Education is to this day re require reading in doctoral programs right. in, in, in education. So uh, they loved Dewey, they liked his idea of socialization and education, of uh, collectivization, their view of collectivizing education, mm -hmm. putting in students in educational collectives, and, uh, and Dewey was a big part of this. Now, it also mentions here, uh, she emphasized that people never cease to be impressed by the small number of communists needed to control an organization. And it is an axiom in the communist organization right. strategy that if infiltrated body has 1% Communist Party members, 9% Communist Party sympathizers with well-rehearsed plans of action, they can effectively control the remaining 90%. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes, Doug, because it really shows you can control an organization with not a gigantic amount of infiltration. And if she controlled, if she put a thousand members in the New York State Teachers Union out of 10,000 people, would, if, if the party went to her and said, hey, could you place a thousand priests in, or men in seminaries, Catholic seminaries, out of, at that point, and we go through the numbers in the book, there are about 30,000 priests in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, there are about 60,000 by the early 1960s. So she would have said, oh yeah, that's a cinch. And I think the more important point is, uh, you didn't need for a thousand to fully infiltrate through the entire time in seminary. If you could get a hundred of them through, you know, she would have considered that a success. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and to go back to, you kind of alluded to earlier about Sheen, and there's a quote from 1936 where he gave uh, a, a homily, I think, St. Susanna at, in Rome about communists were given instructions to yeah. infiltrate religious communities in order to destroy them. But this really struck me the most, which is Solanus Casey, 
Now, totally far afield. Blessed Solanus Casey. Everybody's, you know, has reveres him for the kind of gentle soul he was. Casey encountered communist infiltration into the seminaries. In January 15, 1955, letter, he wrote, there's such a thing as red communism stealing into convents and monasteries. He says they are in their late 20s or even 30s and, of course, are not fervent at all, even though they keep the rule fairly to the letter. I thought that was a pretty interesting, because that's totally from another right. aspect of the church. He, he witnessed it. And what you're referring to, uh, on April 27, 1952, on the front page of the New York Times, there was an article that said, Sheen in Rome speaks of red infiltration of priesthood. Mm -hmm. So that was on the cover of the New York Times. That was three weeks after he baptized and heard the confession of, of Bella Dodd. And that's after months of her get, give, of hearing her instruction, giving her instruction in the church. So she knew about it. That's on mm -hmm. the cover of the New York Times. Um, but that's the only case where I could find where mm -hmm. she never talked about it. I don't even know if he knew that that was going to be reported because he was speaking at Santa Susana Church in Rome. Right. And as far as we could tell, like what he advised to Bella, he never talked about it again because right. he knew that this would be a scandal. And he instead thought... The way to fight back is not to go and say that there's been a, an infiltration of the Catholic Church in America. The way to fight back is to fight communism. And that's what he had Belladaw do, and that's what he did. Right, and stay true to the faith. Thank you so much, Dr. Paul Kengar, who along right. with his co-author Mary Nicholas, M.D., wrote the book The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. It's an excellent book definitely worth the read, published by TAN, available through our EWTN religious catalog, EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic. I'm Doug Keck. Thank you so much for joining us here on Bookmark. We shall see you next time.